rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. In verse 2, there's a certain poor widow casting in two mites. Now, the mite here is the smallest known coin that they had during that day. This is so small, and people don't take note of it. As a matter of fact, uh, if you was to break down their coinage, you would find that a mite is one one hundred and forty-fourth of a day's pay. That's so small, who thinks about a one hundred forty-fourth of your day's pay? It is so small, this is where we get the term mite from. Because a mite, until we come around with microscopes, it was the smallest thing living that man could see was a mite. It's so small, it seems like it's nothing. And if it's that small, who's going to notice it? Jesus did. He saw it. For in verse 1, he noticed their gifts. He said he looked up and he saw. What did he see? He saw two classes of people here. So not only the gift, but he saw the givers. Uh, the, the important part is not necessarily what's given, but it's the motive and the person behind the giving. So here, uh, there are two different givers. You've got rich men, and you've got a poor lady. Matter of fact, in verse 2, it says a certain poor lady. And uh, what certain means literally is the one. Jesus sees the one. Uh, what we overlook, Jesus sees. And he sees this widow, and uh, they tell us in historical writings that she was, of course, in the court of women. She could only go so far into worshiping the Lord. And so she, she could only go to the court of women, and there were 13 boxes shaped like trumpets in there for you to put your money in. And uh, that's where she went. Now, there is, this is during the Passover time. There's a lot of people coming and going, and as the town of Jerusalem is flooded with people, there's so many people passing through the temple. They're bumping into each other. People aren't paying attention to who's given what, but Jesus was, and he saw the gift, and he saw the giver. And in verse 3, Jesus had some remarks about what was given. And Jesus said, Of a truth, I say unto you, this poor widow has cast in more than they all. He's looking at heart giving, not heavy giving. There are some people who are heavy givers. They can give, 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 because God's blessed them, and it doesn't cost them a whole lot to give. I, it does cost, don't get me wrong, but some it's harder to give than others are. But the Lord's not looking at the heavy giving. He's looking at the heart giving. The Lord looks at the heart and the motive behind it. You'd be better off giving uh, if you don't have much, but you're willing to give. You're better off that way than having a lot of money and just giving of your excess. You see, this woman didn't give of her extra. She gave of her all. And the rich men gave of their extra. But the Lord is not looking for extra. He's looking for the extraordinary. And this woman gave of her all. And Jesus noticed that. And he wanted his disciples to pay attention to that. Now I'm going to tell you why. This is why it stood out to me. 
not only the season that we're in, but it looks like the social climate that we're in is not good either. We don't know which way things are going to fall. There's a lot of tension and a lot of uncertainty today. We don't know what's going to happen in our country and all these things. Uh, it could be a fearful time if you're not careful. And uh, so those things are on my mind as well. And uh, Luke 21, it deals with what's going to happen and what's it going to look like before the Lord returns. You'll find that beginning in chapter 21, verses 5 and following. Uh, because in chapter uh, 21 and verse 5, they ask him about the temple and what's going to be the signs of your coming. And Jesus is telling them what it's going to look like. And if you read the rest of that chapter, you'll find out. You'll find it also in Luke 24 and in Matthew 13. Uh, they are all... Uh, they're all hand in hand, if you will. So Jesus is calling his disciples' attention to a widow, and then he says, mind this widow and mimic what she's doing. And on the other side, he is saying, this is what's about to happen. So you don't need to worry about having being rich and having your extras. What you need to be doing is living like the widow. So if you want to know how to live in today's society, take note of the widow. She did not have a whole lot, but what she had, she gave. So what I would have you to think on is living, giving. Giving of your all. Giving of your all. I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about of your all. Picture this. This offering that is being collected only during the, uh, the feast times are these boxes emptied into one big garment. And as they empty these boxes, they feed the orphan and the widow. Here's a widow who can't provide for herself given to help other widows. I tell you what the gospel is about. It is about one beggar telling another beggar how to find bread. I found him. You can find him. This is what happened to me. He'll do the same for you. This is the way we're to live. That's what the gospel is about. And this lady is a widow. She doesn't have much. She doesn't have a provider. She doesn't have a hope for tomorrow other than whatever God gives her from day to day. And yet she's taking what she's got and she's investing it in the kingdom. I'll tell you what, I guarantee you today, this woman ain't sorry that she gave. Because Jesus said, if you give a cup of cool water in my name to one of these little ones, I tell you they shall in no wise lose their reward. And Jesus also said uh, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 about rewards when you pray, rewards when you fast. He also said when you visited me when I was sick and hungry and naked and afflicted and I was in prison, he said, you got a reward for that. Now, if in your mind it's, I'm giving so that I can get, you got your reward. You got your recognition. I want you to know you're going to get it because I prayed for you. Well, you just got your reward. Here's what Jesus said. Pray in secret. 
God will reward you openly. But if you've got to talk about it, you just got your reward. Not from God. You rewarded yourself. You're better off letting God do the rewarding. This is the way that this widow's living. She's living secretly, giving it behind the scenes. Don't tell nobody. Isn't that the way the Lord did? He would heal somebody, and he'd say, don't tell anybody. And they would run off saying, it's him. That was him. He just helped me. He gave me what nobody could. The woman that touched the hem of his garment. How about the woman at the well? Come see a man. He told me all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Jesus said, don't tell nobody. They couldn't help themselves. That's him. He's been helping me. He'll reward you openly if you'll do things secretly. Behind the scenes, just give of yourself. Give of your all. It's a season for giving. Go ahead. Live that way. That's the way she was living. We're not told how many times she had done this before, but on this day, Jesus took note of her. So I want you to think about the gratitude that this woman had. Evidently, she had been helped before, and she was glad to give. It says in 2 Corinthians 9, in verse 7, that the way we ought to give, he says, first off, you ought to purpose it in your heart. And uh, you ought to give as God has prospered and blessed you. God blesses some people more than others, uh, but you ought to give as God's blessed you. You ought to lay by some things and be ready to give. If the Lord has blessed you, then you ought to bless others with what he's blessed you with. Here, and I'm going to tell you that it, this goes all the way back into the law and the prophets. We're told that in the law of Moses, the prophets preached about it. John the Baptist preached about it because when uh, people came to him and said, we want your baptism, John, he said, where is your fruits that are meat for repentance? In other words, just because you say you repent, just because you say you want to be saved, just because you say you want to do right and be right with God, that don't mean nothing to me. I want to see proof of it. You need to prove yourself. But in the Baptist church, we lost that a long time ago. You just walk down the aisle, tell the preacher what you think, and uh, I just want to, I just want to be right with the Lord. Well, say this prayer after me, and you're okay, buddy. Now let's get baptized. And you live however you want to. Nothing changed in life. Your attitude didn't change. Your life didn't change. You ain't saved. If anybody is saved, they're a new creature in Jesus Christ. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If there's no new in your life, if it ain't new, it ain't going to do. So you need some, a new work done in you. And that's what John the Baptist was preaching. He was preaching that. And one group come to him and said, John, we want your baptism. And he said, well, where's your fruit? They had a problem. And here's one of the things that John pointed out to them. He said, you got two coats. Give one away. You don't need two. My goodness, how many coats are in our closets? See, that's a small thing. I mean, I like that, and it matches this and that. It might, friend, but we can't wear them all at one time. Just keep a couple if nothing else. But John the Baptist said, this is a fruit 
of repentance, of wanting to do right. Because if you don't want to do right with each other, you won't do right with the Lord. And now on those two things hang all the law and prophets, Jesus said. And in 1 John 3, we're told the same thing. So I'll let you look at those things. This is age old. We were told in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Yo, the way you ought to give is having your purpose in your heart. But you ought to have a purpose. Blessed is the man who expecteth nothing, for he shall not be disappointed. If you don't have a purpose, if you do not have a goal, you have nothing to live for, nothing to aim at, and you will not be disappointed because you expected nothing, and that's exactly what you got, nothing. So you ought to have a purpose. Purpose it in your heart. And here's what it says, so let him give. Not grudgingly, not having a hard time letting it go, but cheerfully. Why? Because God loveth a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And this widow was happy. She was grateful. She was so thankful that God had taken care of her in days gone by. She took what she had, which was her all, and she put it in. Now, I'm not saying empty out your retirement and your bank account and all that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, Give of your living because that's where life is at. It'll take your time. It'll take uh, you. It'll take a sacrifice on our part in some way. It'll take an effort. And that's the way this woman was going about it. And the way that God loves is a cheerful giver. And cheerful there means hilarious. Literally. Laughing about it. In other words, I don't know where the next is coming from, but it feels so good to give. I'll give my all if that's what it takes. That's the way she was giving. And Jesus called his men to him and he said, take note of that. That's the way you ought to live. Do you know why? Because what you keep on this, in this life, you lose. We are strangers we are pilgrims passing through this life. Friend, do you not realize you cannot keep what you've got? It doesn't matter if you're Asher's age or Tristan or Preston or Austin or Allie's age or Mary Helen or if you're Miss Dorothy or Miss Brother Robert or, or James. I almost called you Porky, but James or Gene. Or, I mean, that, that's just the way I know him. For anybody listening, that's who it is. Uh, it don't matter who you are, what age you are, from young to old or anybody in between. If you live for this life, you're going to lose it. You can have the best this life has to offer, but moth and rust is going to corrupt it. Boy, I would have loved to have my old truck. It was an 83 Toyota. It was my first truck. But that thing started rusting out because it was a Toyota and the cab was made in Japan, which was good steel, which we sold to them as Americans. Smart. And then we imported our steel from China and we made the bed of that truck and the Chinese steel just rust all to pieces and that truck was rusting down. I, I love that truck. But it had taken me more money than I had in my pocket to keep it going. If you live for stuff in this life, 
It's going to fall apart. Your body's going to fall apart. Your house is, your car, everything associated with this life falls apart. But there is one thing that never will. And that's what you give to somebody else. There was a lady in one church that I went to. Her name was Miss Martha Ann Shalls. Miss Martha Ann was a widow. Her husband had passed away, and I knew him as well. But uh, she lived on her own. I never will forget this. She had to sell her house. Uh, the long story there, but she had to sell her house, which was a single wide trailer, and uh, that she moved to an apartment in town. She needed a vacuum cleaner. Me and uh, another man in church heard about it. I was single. I was working. It didn't matter to me. It's just you know, you know how that is. And uh, I don't know that I ever told this story, have I? Have I? We went and got her a vacuum cleaner. We showed up at her house. We knocked on the door. And when she saw that, she went to crying like crazy. And uh, she said, this is wrong. Y'all shouldn't be doing that. And she sat down in her chair just crying. And uh, we was just glad to give it to her. Well, I ain't thought nothing about that. But, boy, she talked about that for a long time. She needed a vacuum cleaner. She didn't say nothing to anybody. But the Lord put it on the right people's heart to give it in due time. The Lord knows he knows how to do that. And uh, another time, Miss Martha Ann, I heard that she liked, um, she liked Gaither homecoming music. So uh, she had a tape or two, but she didn't have any way to play it. So I took my old radio that, was, that had a CD player on it, and I gave it to her. And she was tickled pink to get that thing. Well, she just loved it. She told me quite often. How much she loved that and listened to Gaither sing throughout the day. She didn't have to listen to anything else other than good music on the radio. It's the small things in life. It's being attentive to what's needed. God, The Lord takes notice of that. Remember that. The woman gave because she was grateful. She was a hilarious giver. She laughed about it. She was happy to give, and that's the way we ought to be. I told my kids the other morning, I said, as I get older, I don't really care about what I get for Christmas, but I want to see you happy when you open up your presents. There's something about that to me. I want others to be happy. And I'll tell you what the Lord said in Acts chapter 20. Paul was preaching to the Ephesian elders. It was the last time they'd ever seen the apostle Paul this side of heaven. And Paul reminded them, he said, I want you to remember what the Lord said. He said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. When Miss Laura Lee passed away, the church took up a special offering for Brother Jimmy Von Cannell, and I took it to him at the funeral home. I put it in an envelope in his pocket. And he looked at me, and he said, that better not be what I think it is. And I said, it is, Brother Jimmy. Don't ask questions. And he said, well, that, I don't like that. I said, but if there's not somebody to give to, where's our blessing going to be? And he was standing there crying, and he said, I know. He said, but it's more blessed to give than to receive, and I'd rather be given than receiving. I said, I understand that, brother. There's always a time to give 
and there's a time to get, be a giver. The Lord takes note of that, and truly grateful people are givers. Not only the gratitude she had, but what about the grace that she had? And I'll not string this out much more than that, but if you look in verse 1, you find the word casting. That means to throw, to let go of, to not care what happens to it after it leaves your hand. She didn't have to dictate what was going to happen. Neither did those rich men. They let go with no strings attached. Freely they had received. Freely they gave. Notice in verse 1 you find casting. In verse 2, the widow was casting. You see that? Rich men in verse 1, the widow in verse 2. In verse 3, Jesus says, this poor widow has cast in more than they all. In verse 4, you'll find the word cast two times. If you count that up, that's five. Five is a number of grace. So notice the grace in this woman's life. Why was she giving? Because of grace. And you'll find in Romans chapter 5 that grace is, uh, it says that we're saved by grace and uh, it's by the blood of Jesus Christ and uh, it's a free gift that you've gotten by grace. This woman had gotten what she had because the Lord had been gracious to her and she freely gave it back. The Lord took note of her great sacrifice. In order for us to give, it will take a sacrifice. It's going to take something from you in order to give. If it doesn't cost you, it's not worth giving. David one time numbered the people before he went to war, and the Lord said that was wrong. And the Lord gave him an option as to what the punishment would be. And the Lord sent the death angel throughout the land and started killing off the Israelites. And it was told to David that the death angel, he is, the angel of the Lord, he is at the threshing floor of Orna. And David went there. And when he saw the angel, he told Orna, he said, I want that threshing floor to put an altar on that the Lord may stay the plague from our people. And Orna told David, you can have it. David said, no, you tell me what it costs. He said, I will not take nothing that doesn't cost me something. Friend, if it doesn't cost us, it ain't worth giving. That altar that David built became the foundation for the temple where multitudes met with God. Where the foundation of the temple was laid is where the presence of Jehovah dwelt. Friend, you don't know what you're giving. What you give might lay the foundation for these coming behind us to meet the presence of God. It's going to cost. There's a great sacrifice involved. In Mark's account, here's the way that it says. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Others gave of their abundance. She gave of her want. She gave of her penury. Penury means poverty. She didn't have the money to give, 
She could have kept one mite to herself, but friend, that would not have bought anything. She couldn't have fed herself for one day on one mite. So why not give it all? She gave of her want in order to be a giver. There's going to be a lot that you want in this life. But if you want it, it's going to cost you to give. I want this, but this is what's needed. So I'm going to give to that and I'll forego my want. And Jesus said, I took note of that. And the Lord will reward you for that. She cast in all that she had, even all her living. She was giving from her living. She was giving of her life. See, the giver, not the gift, determines the value of what's given. She gave of her all. She gave of her life. And after giving, how much do you have left? How much will you keep for yourself before the rest of this chapter is played out? Think about this. Jesus is telling his disciples, and I'm closing with this thought. I want you to think about the sacrifice that lays ahead. There's a sacrifice that lays ahead for every one of us in this building tonight and for those that are listening. The sacrifice is for the future. This woman gave what little she had so that the temple could continue and people could worship there. Jesus gathers his men and he says, take note of that. Because verse 5 is coming. Look in verse 5. They saw the temple, that it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, And he said, as for these things which you behold, the days will come in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be and what sign will there be uh, when these things shall come to pass? And he said, Take heed that you be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them, but when you hear wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then he said unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines and pestilences, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. See what's happening? There's a lot of things that are going to happen in the earth that'll shake people down to their core. They're not going to understand what's happening. There's going to be fear. There, there will be pestilence, which literally means diseases, which we are facing today, right now, with coronavirus. It is a disease. This is what the Bible would call a pestilence. Uh, these things, he said, must come to pass. And then as you read down here through the rest of this chapter, you'll find in verse 27, he talks about the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And he says, and when these things begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. 
And then he told him a parable of the fig tree. And he over and again, he speaks of the Son of Man coming in the clouds. He's coming. Are you ready? And this is the precursor to all of it. How much will you give or how much will you keep before he shows up? There's a lot at stake. Are you giving of your all or are we just doing our duty and just looking to the next meeting time? That's not living giving. Living giving takes time away from self to invest in others. Uh, this is the way that Jesus said we ought to be. Give of your all. Don't, even if it's small, give your all. Amen. I trust the Lord to help you with that tonight. Uh, I'm preaching to me as well. I realize what's being said tonight, and uh, I realize that we all fall in this category. Uh, there's always things that we look down the road at, and we think, I need to plan ahead for this or for that. But the Lord may not see fit for us to, to have some of those wants. There are other things going on that are spiritual. And whether you realize it or not, the physical is tied into the spiritual. You can't leave spiritual things at church and live a physical life the rest of the week in the world. They go arm in arm and hand in hand. You can't separate the two. The Lord took note of physical things, but he taught spiritual lessons out of it. There's a day coming when the things that you've invested in Your interest will come back to you one day. The Lord's on his way. He's coming. And it won't be as long as we think. I'm not a date setter, and I don't know a lot of things, but I do know this much. The Lord said to look for certain things, and when you see them, then it's drawing nigh. He didn't say the day nor the hour, but he did give you some signs. Last Sunday morning, I preached on your signs, didn't I? <clears throat> Here's one of the things he told the Pharisees. You can discern the face of the sky. You can tell whether or not it'll be hot or cold tomorrow. You're, you can be weathermen, but you can't discern the signs of the time. Don't you know what hour it is? The hour's getting late. The sun is going down. Whatever interest you have in anything spiritual, if you have any regard for your soul at all, you need to give attention to it. The hour is getting late. I remember a preacher. He was a Marine. He fought in Vietnam, and he said he'll never forget that one chaplain had on his helmet. He said his helmet, the chaplain's helmet said, most men expect to believe at, at, uh, in the 11th hour and die at 1030. And that's a story of many people's lives. I'll get around to it, preacher. I'll think about it someday. You may die prematurely and not make it there. The hour's late. It's time to invest like never before. It's time to dig deep. 
It's time to count up our valuables in our house. It's time to be like the woman with a costly pearl. She had something lost in her house, and she was going to make sure it was found before it was too late. So she called for the light, and as the light swept the house, she found what she was looking for, that one piece of silver. But that one was precious. And if you've got that one in your house that's precious to you, it's time to start looking and finding before the lights go out. An old preacher that I love and respect said this the other day. He was asked by another preacher that I'm friends with. He, this old preacher was asked. Uh, he, uh, this, uh, this old preacher was asked by this other man, why is the Lord not calling men into the ministry as he did once in America? And here is the reply. He said, the Lord said his word would not return to him void. So if the Lord isn't calling men into the ministry, it's because God's going to keep his word. It ain't going to return void. He ain't going to call men into the ministry just for it to fall on deaf ears. And God will shut the lights out. That was Brother Milby that said that. And I'm afraid that's where we're living today. I know of maybe two preachers right now in their 20s, none in their teens, none. That's sad. We're living in a dark hour. It's time to invest before it's too late. Invest. It might be one of you in here, one of you younger ones, that God's going to raise up and use as one last light before the lights go out. Be sensitive to the Lord. Obey Him, whatever He says. You don't know what kind of impact you can have. Souls are at stake. and It's about time we start looking at souls again instead of anything and everything else. I'm thinking about Dennis Bryant. He's on oxygen. He's tested positive for COVID. He says they're doing okay, and he's not having a hard time breathing, but he still claims to be lost. Friend, that, that's troublesome to me. I don't know about you. I see others just that we know and that we love. I mean, Asher's sitting here, and then y'all here. I mean, there's different ones that's sprinkled around. When are we going to get back to giving of our all and letting God have his way? Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. I want you, the Lord, to take this widow and her might and with all that she had, you did great things and taught great lessons. Help me, Lord, to learn whatever you say, do it. Whatever the smallest nudge is, obey your voice. You never know who is going to come through because of one person's obedience. You never saved anybody that someone wasn't obedient prior to. The Ethiopian eunuch, Philip, preached to him in the chariot and you saved his soul. 
But that man was obedient to go to the pass or to Pentecost. I think of all the Bible stories. I think of the lepers. They came and they got healed, but it's because you, Lord, Jesus Christ, our Lord, was obedient to his Father's will, and he came to fulfill his Father's will and do everything he said, and he saved men's souls by being obedient. And you said, even so, send I you and all the world. Go ye therefore into all nations, teaching uh, and baptizing them in the name of Jesus Christ, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. That's what you've said to us, Lord. Help us to realize that and take note of it. Lord, for Calvary Baptist Church, I pray that you would preserve a remnant, that those who say that they need to be saved would be. But Lord, I don't know what obedience it'll take on the forefront on our part, but I ask you, Lord, to put something in our hearts and we'd purpose in our heart that next time we gather together, I'm doing something for the Lord. Help us, Lord, to think about those things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.